The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Look in my eyes, what do you see? CM Punk is World Heavyweight Champion. Welcome everybody to Bunker Mania, Bunkerzilla's official pro wrestling discussion podcast. I am Jeremy Graves and joining me as per usual, as we go on a journey through the whimsical world, quite frankly a whimsical world this weekend, of what was AEW's double or nothing. It is the one and only Mr. Ian Bolton, the Decadane himself. Good sir, how are you doing today? I am doing delightfully well, and it's all about the whimsy. The whimsy of Las Vegas, the whimsy <laughs> of double or nothing. I like that word, whimsy. I'm feeling a bit whimsy. Do you know um, what? It is it is certainly a time to be a fan <laughs> of pro wrestling. Like this, to put this out there from the outset, everybody, before we do some housekeeping, the primary focus, oh, a giant fly just flew by my face if you're watching the video version on YouTube. Hello, YouTube. You know what? I'll do housekeeping now. Why not? Welcome on YouTube. That is where we are recording and broadcasting live tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. If you're in the chat, please do share your thoughts as we go along the program. And you never know, your comments may get read out during the show. Hey, there you go. And if you are enjoying this stream, why not give us a thumbs up? And if you feel so inclined, why not subscribe to the Bunkerzilla YouTube channel? Then you'll get notifications of when new videos are available. You can also check out the archives of previous Bunkerzilla and Bunker Mania content as well, be it in complete form or sometimes in clip form as well. Also, big shout out to our audio-only podcast listeners. We know you're out there. If you are joining us via the likes of Spotify, Amazon, Google, you choose your platform of choice, search for Bunker Mania, you will more than flipping likely find us on that platform. And if you are listening to the audio-only version, why not tell a friend about us? We would really appreciate it. And thank you very much once again for listening to our program. So good sir, as I was about to say before I cut myself off, which is quite an interesting concept in and of itself, today we are primarily focusing on the AEW weekender that was double or nothing. To say it is quite a newsworthy week, quite newsworthy show, weekend, week, however you want to phrase it, bit of an understatement. A lot mm. has happened. The show itself was really freaking long, but did we both enjoy it? You guys will find out tonight as we delve in to Double or Nothing Weekend. But good sir, we need to touch on a couple of things before Double or Nothing, <laughs> because- Okay. Who'd have thunk that before Double or Nothing, it would have been as newsworthy as it was? Because one of the big talking points going into the show before Saturday hit was the fact that come the end of Rampage, if you include the match on the buy-in, 13 matches were announced for Double or Nothing. <laughs> what did oh. you think about this when you heard this? Oh, it's like old WrestleMania cards all over again. It's like, oh, <laughs> no. I mean, we we will touch on it a, a little bit in the review, but, uh, but a little heads up. I generally enjoyed the show. My big sort of my big mark against it is it's too long. <laughs> it's... As much as as much as five hours of wrestling can be great fun when everything is really paced well, I mean the great comparison to it would probably be All Out last year 
because All Out was like nearly five hours, but mm. that that seemed an absolute joy to watch from start to finish. Whereas with Double or Nothing, there are some very, very good matches. There are some amazing matches. And then there are some matches where you really didn't need to put them on the show, to be honest. It's like, no no, no disrespect to the talent involved. It's, it's like, it's, it was a very stacked card. I appreciate there are only kind of four pay-per-views for AEW every year. So you want to put as much talent in as possible, but there are some matches, and we will talk about it in our in our play by play, that probably could have made an event at a dynamite or a rampage, and kind of made the made the flow of double or nothing just just go smoother. Or just just make it make it yeah. go smoother, yeah. Yeah, from a logistics point of view, it, it might as well note this now, actually, seeing as we're on this. Part of the reason why the show ended up having 13 matches, for those unaware, because it's quite possible, you know, for a lot of people in the UK, for example, if you watched it through the night, like I did, live, that um, the there was a huge NBA basketball playoff game happening at the same time as Double or Nothing. Mm. And when you look at things, say, like from the UFC or the boxing world, generally... We'll go for boxing more often than not, because I think that's a better comparison. Yeah. Usually, it's just the one big fight that is promoted. I- I'm not a fan of boxing. I can't tell you who current names are. But for argument's sake, let's just say it's an Anthony Joshua fight or a Tyson Fury fight. Generally, it would be that marquee match that's promoted, maybe one or two underneath, but there is still an undercard on that show. So the mentality that Tony Khan had was, well, you know what? There is probably still a lot of interest in this show. I'm going to buy an extra hour of pay-per-view airtime because the game will finish by around a certain time. And if we time out the show to a point where there's still two, maybe three big matches left, people may still buy the show and tune in slash tune in after the fact rather than just waiting for the replay. And based on what he was saying during the post-match press conference, it sounds like when that game ended, the viewership of Double or Nothing did actually go up a bit. Mm. So as an experiment, it's actually quite fascinating that almost treating it like that, having like the big matches left till last, as it were, or at least a, f- at least a few of them, excuse me. It's a very interesting concept. But from the perspective of someone like myself, who was watching live, who, not that I don't like basketball, but I wasn't interested in the game. I just wanted to watch the show. This was a long show. And there mm. was a point where I was really flagging, but... There was also a point, Ian, when I wasn't flagging because, as Justin Roberts eloquently put it, shit's about to hit the fan. <laughs> oh, I have never laughed so hard at uh, just a random moment in wrestling show. Um, but yeah, just just to, um, we'll talk about anarchy in the arena later on. But uh, yeah, in terms of watching Double or Nothing, I, this took me, it's like I didn't watch it live. I ordered the pay-per-view. I, I watched it after I came home from work. It took me two sittings, uh, mm-hmm. simply because of how the, how the flow kind of affected me, kind of my energy levels a bit. Because mm-hmm. it's like when we, it's like when you had like a really good high of say like House of Black against mm-hmm. Death Triangle, which Tremendous was a, fan, match. Which we'll was a fantastic match, mm-hmm. and then you get to like the sort of the the sort of it's all right, it's good, but it's not it's not as great as it could be. Like say the the Owen Hart tournament finals. Or, or even Men of the Year and Page of Van, Page of Van Sant versus Ty, Ty, Sammy and uh, Kazarian, all that sort of stuff. That six-person tag. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like it's like when when the matches work, 
the energy is amazing. But when you when you have a great high watching a great match, and then you kind of hit the you hit the block of of arguably an all right match or something that's possible, mm-hmm. but it's just like it's it's kind of making you get distracted a bit. It's kind of it kind of would occasionally make me want to reach for my phone or just kind of figure, just kind of take my eye off the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's and I think that that is. That is the that is the, the the sad frustration, I guess, with with the the show length. But like I said earlier, if you can do a show like All Out and you can make it from top to bottom, really engaging, really exciting, and there's quality and there's quality matches from start to finish, go go for it. Have fun. Have a go for that sort of length of time. And and yeah, if that's the reason why to kind of obviously get those years in after the basketball game, that's fair enough. That's fine. That's a business decision. That's a good business decision. And also a fascinating decision as well. Mm. Yeah, it's just the only thing is it opens you up to that sort of reception if if things don't land well. Agreed, completely. Mm -hmm. Now, the other big story that occurred or going in to Double or Nothing, and we're not going to, for a better phrase, we're not going to labour on this too much because it seems like there may be more news coming out about this today based on mm. something that's been announced in the last hour or so at the time we are broadcasting this live. So we'll get onto that in a second. Mm-hmm. But MJF, now in the politest way to put this to everybody watching and or listening, if you have somehow successfully lived under a rock since the weekend and do not know anything that's happened regarding MJF, you deserve a gold star because this was dominating <laughs> stuff. The, the, you can add some thoughts as needed, Ian, on this, but the cliff notes are as follows. It's been widely known that MJF and we'll say Tony Khan for want of a better phrase haven't necessarily been on the same page in recent months. There's been some contract feelings, as it were, pay dispute related things going on. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why it's been acknowledged on AEW television. This seemingly came to a head in some way, shape, or form this weekend. MJF was meant to be doing a signing session at the big AEW fan fest Delia Bob that was happening in Las Vegas as part of the weekender. He Mm -hmm. did not show up. This was not advertised. He wasn't going to show up. He simply didn't show up and nobody knew why. It was completely out of the blue. The staff on hand had to deal with some crap by the Saturday, which not fun. I have been there in a convention capacity myself before having to deal with something that is totally out of your hands. So not fun. To add a quick note, Samoa Joe also did not appear, but that has come out since. That was actually due to a communication error because he was booked seemingly to do some kind of video game voiceover session. He's in the um, new Suicide Squad game. He's oh, uh, King uh, the, Shark. The, the Kill, Kill the Justice League game, right? Yeah, he's King Shark in that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. seemingly that's why he wasn't there. So that was literally a communication breakdown error, however you want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. So this happens, and as the day is going on, obviously it's pretty big because this isn't a work, quote-unquote. Then news starts coming out later that evening that was being reported that there has seemingly been bought... He has seemingly had a plane ticket bought for him to fly out of Las Vegas, implying he ain't going to be on double or nothing. That, that There's still... There's still a lot of things going on as to whether that actually is the case or not. We're not going to delve into that too much because that's beside the point, but it's just to make it known. Ultimately, when push comes to shove, MJF was in Vegas for double or nothing. 
Mm-hmm. He did show up. His match was first on the pay-per-view. He acknowledged the airplane-related reporting in some in a, some uh, some gestures that he did when he came out to the ring, let's say. But mm-hmm. ultimately, he was there. The match happened. And seemingly after this, it was sort of known there was going to be a meeting between him and Tony Khan, probably to discuss some stuff. Yeah. The latest update on this is, as of within the last hour, Tony Khan has announced on his Twitter that we will hear from MJF on Dynamite tonight. Hmm. Which, perhaps a little bit surprising, given how the ma- given how uh, it ultimately ended, but we'll cross that bridge as and when we need to get to it. And uh, Actually, I'm pretty sure it was Tony Khan's Twitter. I'm just on there now, and I can't actually see it, I but I'm sure it I've seen a- this AEW's, AEW's Twitter feed. There you go, thank you. So, yeah, as well. so that's been announced. So, with all of that in mind, Ian, let's just do the quick Cliff Notes version of this. Going mm. into Double or Nothing... What were your sort of general thoughts on the MJF situation, quote unquote? I mean, from a character's perspective, MJF is has been very good at blending truth from fiction, and bl- he's done uh, blurring he, those lines. If mm. you see, if you see any of his interviews, his podcasts, wherever he turns up, it's like. There is there is an element of truth to what he says, but then sometimes you you're always kind of under the impression that he still lives up that hill persona. Um, I can't remember the the podcast off off the top of my head, but I remember watching one a couple of months ago, and he's continuously still acting like a heel during the interview. So he's sort of saying, "No, no, you can't be the same level as me. I'm I'm the better star. I'm the bigger star. I'm better than you. You have to be on a different level, eye level than me. Otherwise, I'm going to walk all that sort of stuff." So he plays that up beautifully um but the but the sense you were i was kind of getting from uh some of the wrestling news sites obviously fightful who are very heavily involved in trying to get as much updates as they can um they it's like they were it generally gives the impression that something is not right here Mm -hmm. or something is generally not well in in the camps to be honest um but yeah i mean he he turned up on Sunday. He he did the job. He took ten power bombs from Wardlow. There he is. Took his me- he took his medicine, and yeah, we've got this thing tonight. Um, but this is this is the thing. It's like it's it's interesting that this has kind of happened like two weeks after. Obviously, we've had Sasha and Naomi. We talked about this last episode, yeah. um, and it's it's unfortunately a very. I know people are kind of go. I, I've seen kind of. The arguments of oh it's 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 different it's not as bad as what WWE have been it's like well here's the thing it's like MGF signed with AEW at the very start he is a he is an original and in the three and a bit years he's been with this company he has been able to deliver great matches he has probably delivered this year two very strong contenders for feuds of the year with Punk and with Wardlow and. The fact of the matter is, it's like he is a star. He is His a stock has star. risen greatly. Yeah. Out, out of out of all the stars that started with AEW, who didn't necessarily have that sort of New Japan backing, someone like Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or 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 even Hangman Page, for example. MGF was kind of a, an unknown commodity when he joined. But three years later, here we are. He's one of the biggest stars of the brand. He, it's like people love to hate him, all this sort of stuff. And if he's not being paid the money 
that's kind of come with that sort of success of bringing those eyes to the product and delivering those quality storylines. Yeah. You, I think if you were in his shoes, you would be a little bit pissed off, to be perfectly honest. And it, and it probably doesn't help when other stars, free agents are coming in from different brands, obviously most from WWE, other things. They're coming in, they're getting very big contracts, and, they, and they're in their contracts that pale in comparison to what you're on. It's, it's, it, might, it must be, it must be, what's the word? It, it's a gut kick. It must be really frustrating that for some reason this contract can't be amended. It can't be updated. It can't be sorted. So MGF gets his due. And yeah, I think you, you look at Sasha and Naomi, they are frustrated, were frustrated with their booking. They were frustrated with where things were going. And yes, they walked out. And they took matters in their hands. And it's, again, very similar with MGF. He's frustrated with how he's been valued in the company. He doesn't know what the best course of action might be at this sense. Again, I, this is just me kind of... Kind of... Kind of Hypothesizing. Yeah, it's like I, I do not have any inkling of proper insight to these... Yeah, how these, how yeah, these yeah to be honest, thing. no one does at this point. No. It's, exactly. It's all very pie-in-the-sky no, stuff. It's, it's kind I of, do agree it's, with you. It's kind of taking in everything that I've read and kind of everything I've kind of heard and, and so forth. It's just like, yeah, I mean, even if this does, even if this is a, is a work, it's probably not going to go down well with the fans that paid money to meet and greet with him at Las Vegas. I, I believe, mean, I think it's come out, they ultimately got refunded, that's, as it were, that's, which, that's it, fair which is the it's, right thing to do, regardless yeah, of if, circumstance. Yeah, I mean, if they quickly got refunded, fine. That's okay. It's. I mean, it may not it necessarily sucks. have been quick because of the situation was so unique and yeah. off the cuff, as it were. But uh, but yeah, it's not fun. I think Brian Alvarez of WrestlingObserver.com summed it up best in that this started as a shoot, which is probably now going to turn into a work of some kind. Mm. Because one would assume Tony Khan and or MJF were not going to let each other leave before this had been hashed out. Yeah, as it were. That's that's kind of how I see it. But mm. onto the pay per view itself. So let's get to that. As you mentioned, yeah. we opened up with Wardlow power bombing the ever loving hell out <laughs> of MJF. It was ten power bombs. This match was exactly what it needed to be. It was yeah. it was fairly quick, decisive, exactly mm. what it was. MJF got stretched out in the most, I almost said geriatric way possible. But that's not I mean, the word I wanted to use. It was whoever was whoever was put on the oxygen mask clearly didn't know where the mouth and nose was because it just went on the nose. I mean, look, they were, they were oxygen. <laughs> look, you know, you need to have your eyeballs oxygenated. This is a known thing, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so he kind of just got somewhat carted out on a stretcher afterwards. Yeah, and much. Tony Schiavone when he when Wardlow got up to the ramp did the big announcement that Wardlow is now all elite. This was exactly what it needed to be. But you can't not say this match feels like it should have been far bigger than it ultimately was, partly because of the stuff that was doing the rounds over the weekend. It was still great the way they did it, but yep. there was just that element of it feels like it should have been more. Like in a way, poor Wardlow, but not, you know what I mean? It's that that, that rock in a hard place. Yeah, I mean, from from a like a story and script perspective, it works perfectly. MGF avoids Wardlow for as much as he can until he gets pulled into the ring. 
He then goes, ah, I've got the diamond ring. And there's this beautiful visual of both Wardlow and the ref just going, no. Just looking at him. (laughs) (laughs) Take the ring, pocket it, right, go. And then, yeah, gets the... Gets the gets the ten power bombs, pretty much euphoria from Wardlow, because obviously all this has been building up for the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the sto- for storyline perspective, yeah, it it basically has made Wardlow a star. The only the, the the big negative with this, unfortunately, is the is the impact the whole weekend saga has had on it, because it's kind mm-hmm. of it's kind of muted what arguably should be Wardlow's biggest moment. Mm-hmm as a wrestler the next and, big breakout star let's call it what it is yeah yeah this is this is someone who i mean even when they were doing like the the goldberg entry of him just being escorted in it's like <laughs> so that, good. that is so cool it's like only a few wrestlers can pull it off when they're in like their prime goldberg was able to do it when he was in his prime and in the wcw days but you see with wardlow and it's like yeah this man's a monster it's Cool, but he's kind of like he kind of now comes across as this gentle giant monster, which is a good thing. So it's like he's a <laughs> he's a charismatic baby face monster. That's great. That's what we need. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing his music again. I miss it. Yes, yes. It'll be nice to hear that this is war. They should have they should have done this is war once they said yes. You're now finding all the link because you can go yay. Confirmation <laughs> that it happens. But yeah, it's kind of like, I think I think emotionally this may have hit a lot better. If we didn't have the 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 uh, the the things going on outside around it, yeah. so yeah, yeah, we'll be interested to see what MGF says tonight. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we shall see. Indeed, the second match on the card was Elite versus Delete, the Young Bucks mm. versus the Hardly Boys. Or the Hardies, as they are now just called. They're no longer boys. Finally, they they, they finally graduated. Hardy men, Hardy men, Jim. Hardy lads. Hardy men. Men that and still do their dancing. They're still throwing their hands up in the air with the da 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 And then Jeff goes, oh, my back. <laughs> so this is the thing, right? This match was really good. Like, mm. it, this, was, this was a really good match. But you can't help but say Jeff Hardy was having an off night. And I don't yeah. mean that in a disrespectful way. It's just one of those things where I think one of his boots came undone as he was climbing yeah. the top rope or something. It was really weird. Just kind of looked a little bit out of it, which given yeah. the matches that he's had recently, you probably can't blame him. But the match mm. came together. There were some insanely good moments in it. It was such a wonderful spectacle. And what I would say is, if this is the last great, showcase we're gonna get as the hardies as a tag team i think this was a tremendous swan song not saying they're gonna Mm. be gone tomorrow although that said jeff hardy is now not wrestling on dynamite tonight because he is injured as is the case with adam cole apparently Mm. so it's a it's a shame that you could what's the way to phrase this politely you could clearly see how the road had owned two of them yeah. If that makes sense. Like you could see the battle scars really first and front and center, but it was still a really fun match. Yeah, I think the first third, I mean it it once we hit like the middle and towards and, and towards the like the the final third when it was like the the Hardys sort of taking on the super kick party and and really kind of trying to do as best they can and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, the first third was really odd. And it's like, it's the moment where Jeff tried to do a whisper in the wind and it didn't necessarily work out or didn't really happen. And then you could kind of see there was, there was 
definitely maybe some audibles or maybe some conversations mm. going on at the same time to try and make things work eventually. Because, mm. yeah, it, it was clear something was a bit off. I do wonder um, if he got his bell rung at some point. It's entirely possible. It is possible. It is very possible. But I'm, it's, it was good they were able to to get it to like the standard it was towards the end. And, and, and it, was, it was a fun match when it really fired on all cylinders. It yeah. really was. Also, shout out to the Unbucks for their entrance and their super kick party parody video. <laughs> <laughs> really good fun. Mm. Next up, we had Jade Cargill retaining the TBS championship over Anna Jay. Mm-hmm. This match was present. It was clearly, yeah. it had been added with pretty much no build up to the show. I think it was like an angle on Rampage and then a promo that basically led to this match. Pretty much. The key details, though, are kind of things surrounding the match. The, the primary focus being that Ch- Jade Cargill had a lot of interference to help her retain the title. That's ultimately what the key of the story is. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. The former Malcolm Bivens, a.k.a. Stokely Hathaway, if you knew him from his indie days, mm-hmm. turned up and is seemingly, based on Jade Cargill's post-match, uh, post-match um, it, on the post-show press conference, she highlighted that she has the baddies, she has her lawyer, and has her manager. Mm. So it seems that Stokely is not replacing Mark Sterling, is actually an addition to the entire lineup, which I think is great. Stokely yeah. is a, it can be a great presence. Also just great to see Stokely Hathaway. Not gonna lie, I was very, very happy. Yeah. But that, that wasn't all that happened after I this mean, match. I mean, just quickly on Stokely, so I was surprised, it's like, oh, I didn't realize his 30 days had, it was up from the next two. It was like, oh, hello. What are you doing here? It's seemingly because I think someone reported it wasn't actually that he oh, got no, let yeah, he didn't, go. He, he didn't, didn't renew his contract. So he was able to appear quite quickly. Yeah. Mm. And Good also, point. I think according to Tony Khan, he literally did the deal like 24 hours before the show when he became aware of it. Oh, okay. So Fair literally enough. it was that last minute that Stokely was on the show. It was like, quick, Las Vegas, now. Okay. <laughs> It's like a I, I've, I've, en- I've enjoyed his his Twitter game uh, uh, when he was Malcolm Bivens, especially mm-hmm. when he's tormenting Walter or Gunther. So well. good. It's, it's just the photos w- he get with everyone just looking so annoyed. He's next that he's next to them. <laughs> yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a whale of a time in AEW. I really do. And mm-hmm. I think teaming up with Jade is is perfect. Absolutely agreed. Perfect. Completely yeah. agree. But as I as I alluded to, that that wasn't all that happened because Anna Jay started getting beaten on after the match, which led to Chris Statlander coming out. Who have you seen the Rampage match between Ruby and Chris Statlander? I have not, but I am aware that Chris has gone through a character change, which looks really cool, and mm-hmm. it. And based on the reaction that she was getting at Double or Nothing, fans really do like Chris Statlander. It's one of the few matches I have seen in a long time where you feel like if there was ever a time to call an audible for the other person to win, it should Mm. have been that Ruby and Statlander match. Not because people don't like Ruby, it's just Statlander. It was such a good match though. Like, Go out of your way Mm. to watch it if you get some time. But it's Mm. one of those few times when you're like, the wrong person won. Not in a bad way, but the wrong person won that match. So Statlander comes out to you know, defend her friend Anna Jay and obviously has got the previous heat with, with a red velvet in terms of storyline. Mm-hmm. And then this leads to the debuting former Ember Moon, now known elsewhere and everywhere as Athena, 
showing up and boy did she look happy <laughs> yeah she looks very very happy to be there as well and her um, charisma like oh my god it was like to, to seal a phrase when people would talk about Razor Ramon like oozing charisma she was like the super saiyan equivalent from Dragon Ball Z terms of charisma it was just like flames coming off of her it was so cool mm. I I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there as a little mini prediction I think Athena's the one to take the first loss uh, the, to give Jade her first loss mm-hmm. I I can see this being a, a, a good build maybe all out to mm-hmm. maybe Grand Slam and I and I I think I think that's where we're positioning Athena to be the mm. one to dethrone Jade. Mm. I think Statlander will probably be the next challenger. That seems mm. logical to me. Which, like yeah. you say, would build to Athena getting a shot. Because obviously, from the perspective of Athena needs to actually build up a win-loss record. Like I this don't true. in the nicest way to put it, the rankings are there for a reason. I really don't want people just waltzing in and getting a title shot. Unless it's Jade going, who the hell do you think you are? I'll wrestle you. Heck, I'll put this belt on the line. If it's didn't, her doing it, I'm fine with that. Yeah, but I think, didn't Ruby come in, win a battle royale and didn't have a title match at I think Slam. the battle royal gave her a title shot. So I'll allow oh, okay, that because that was part right. of the stipulation. I think it was a, was it a casino battle royal? It was all out, it, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah. After this, we then advance to, in fact, yeah, so uh, we'll kind of do this in one block, as it were. The conclusion mm. of the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. We got Adam Cole defeating Samoa Joe, and then we mm. ultimately got Britt Baker defeating Ruby Soho. I thought the Cole and Joe match was all right. It seems to have come out after the fact that Cole either got injured during the match or was already injured going in, mm. and then kind of got further injured in the match. There were some great moments in this, but in the nicest way to put this, I don't know why I keep saying this because, you know, they're never going to see me or whatever, but this match was just there. This almost felt like the definition of a show in the middle of the card. <laughs> or a match in the, the middle you, of the show, sorry. You are not the the, the, the the first wrestling YouTuber I have heard in the last couple of days saying this was a match that was in the middle of the card. <laughs> because it was. <laughs> yeah, but you know I what, mean- though? Baker and Ruby, just to quickly jump onto that so you can yeah. give your overall thoughts. I loved that match. I really liked it. Yeah, I think I think Cole and Joe were all right. They've have they did they ever meet in NXT? I don't think. They oh, have. in NXT, um, I don't think they have. Maybe in a multi-man match for the for the belt, maybe. Possibly when I'll, Joe I'll, when Joe won it one time. <laughs> possibly, I I just because you know Joe took it off Karrion Cross and then vacated it like a month later. Mm. Um, I can't, I can't remember, but it's like, it's not, it's like, it was a good match. There's obviously, you, you, you have, you, you have your few things, you have the clinical collapse, all that sort of stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, something was just, something was a little bit missing there. Nothing and wrong with if, it, it was just that. Nothing wrong, yeah. Baker versus Soho was the better final out of the two. Um, it's, it's like, it was a, it was a, it was a, a decent match. I enjoy it. Again, it's like, I wasn't really blown away by this match either, to be honest. It's like, I haven't really, I think I think a lot of the investment in the Owen Hart tournament was with the earlier matches, like Dax versus Cash, for example, mm-hmm. and all and all that sort of stuff. Um, and and I kind of like the fact that Baker kind of begrudgingly gave Soho a, a handshake of respect. Yeah, after, it did afterwards. feel like there was not closure on that feud, mm. but it at least was acknowledged. Look, 
this was yeah. about Owen Hart, this one. This isn't personal. This, yeah. this was like business for one of the was, And there were some sharp shooters thrown in for good measure. Good I, I mean, okay, that this is a... Oh, I just knocked the microphone, excuse me. This is a different debate entirely now. Contention! The sharpshooters on this pay-per-view... Now, I appreciate... i got to stop knocking my microphone, sorry. I appreciate that speaking as a giant man, a six-foot-eight man, at the best of times, trying to lift up your own legs is a bit of a chore. But... The sharpshooter is something that people have been doing for decades at this point. There were some crap sharpshooters on this show. Let's call it like it is. Let's there were some variations. Just, Let's say they're variations, Jeremy. There were some crap sharpshooters on this show. <laughs> <laughs> now, I love the fact the sharpshooter was being used. And the counterpoint to my own point is I also like the fact, in a way, it kind of showed how damn good Bret Hart was at doing it mm. and how good Owen Hart was and how Sting can do the Scorpion one-up because it's like, this ain't easy, fellas. You know, you actually need strength to do it. So it kind of put that over in a way. But yeah, minor gripe out of the way. But but yeah, Baker and Soho was definitely the better match. Also, shout out to Rancid performing for Ruby Soho's entrance. It was so good. And because I saw some scuttlebutt on Twitter, and this is my platform to kind of say this now, people who said... They didn't sound that good, did they? First of all, you ever heard punk rock? Second of all, you ever heard Rancid? That was good. Third of all, do you remember when Downstate performed Cody to the ring for his song? And it sounded <laughs> god-freaking-awful. And Which no one? one actually realized it was the song. Which one? Kingdom or or his, his Smoke and Mirrors one? Oh, yeah, they done it. Oh, uh, Kingdom, the one they did in AEW for him. Oh, Kingdom the one where you could yeah. barely tell it was the song until they started singing, and you're like, "Oh wait, this is his song." Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, <laughs> we're murdering the song of Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> but but now it was after the match though, where mm. I think the entire Owen Hart tournament. This is the ending, the conclusion it needed. And I mean this in a loving way as well, in a very yeah. wholesome way. Yeah. Because Martha Hart, now seemingly a little bit of behind the curtain stuff now, part of the reason that Tony Khan bought the extra hour of pay-per-view time was to allow literally Martha Hart to come out to, to, on the ramp to do the closing ceremony, if you will, for the tournament. And literally, hmm. seemingly she was just told, say whatever you want. And ultimately present the belts to each competitor and then present the trophy as well but say whatever you want. And this was a situation, a situation is the wrong word. This was a moment when you could tell that Martha Hart actually enjoyed this. Yeah. And really appreciated everything surrounding this. And it was almost like a coming full circle moment. It is one of the most genuinely wholesome things you will see in pro wrestling. You could tell she was genuinely touched by the reaction the crowd were giving her the reception to the entire tournament, the concept of it. And in a weird way, I think it was her moment to finally like and or appreciate what pro wrestling means to people again. Yeah. After all the stuff that has kind of been painted, oh, excuse me, after all the stuff that's been, that's been painted about her for so many years and the Dark Side of the Ring documentary kind of helping to rewrite and correct that and course correct that and whatnot. It was finally a time for her to have her moment and enjoy this 
and appreciate what her husband really means to people. And it was mm. wonderful to see this. Yeah. It was it was it was wholesome. It was nice. It, it didn't feel forced or contrived. It was basically Martha was was generally happy to be there. The crowd loved to be in there. And yeah, it was it was just a nice feel-good moment. I think for, for wrestling That's the fans, word I was looking for, feel good. Thank you. Yeah, I think for I think for wrestling fans who are very, very familiar or have been fans of Owen's work back back in back in his days. Me, for example. It, it, it it's kind of like a full circle moment in a nice way. It really is. Really, I mean, really good. I mean, yeah, I think if, if I think if this has been the total the, the ultimate sort of goal of the Owen Hart tournament to begin with for the first year, I think they've done very well with that then. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, other than that, it was like we had some nice matches, but yeah. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe next year when the tournament can, returns and the, like it really feels like there's a biggest there's like greater stakes or greater sort of thrills if we go into the final matches. I wonder a little bit of, you know, fantasy booking for a moment here. Because if this is going to become an annual thing, I would be very interested to see if they'll shake up the format in the sense of, rather than it being two singles tournaments, why mm. not make it almost like a, a mixed tag tournament? Yeah. Because I think that could be a fun way, given that, you know, quite frankly, the winners of the inaugural tournament are a couple. It would be a really cool way to get some unique pairings of people, which... I know what you're probably going to say when it comes to how the, the winners are conveniently a couple who are both wearing, you know, colour-coordinated ring gear. I, I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I, as like, slightly off topic, I randomly looked at, uh, at one of the wrestling groups. I think it was the Cultaholic Wrestling Group. And someone said, well, this is a weird way to get married. And they just showed the image. And I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen the Owen Hart tournament matches. I wasn't that fussed that it'd been sport for me or like that because I wasn't fully invested in the finals. But it's like you've got Martha, you've got Martha Hart with a little, her lovely hat. Her that was a fun moment her. when she just said, oh, everyone next year, wear a hat. Yes, it's the <laughs> tournament of hats. And I thought, I generally thought they got married at that moment. <laughs> Look at her, I just went, they didn't, did they? It's like, this is a, it's like, I know we want to try and make the best of the Vegas situation. And obviously Charlotte and Andrade have recently got married this past week. Congratulations to them, by the way. Um, I was just thinking, really? <laughs> and I realised, hang on a minute, Ian, this doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> but, it, but it really, really threw me for a moment when I saw that on the Coholic, uh, the Coholic group. It's like, what? What madness is this? Who, get, who gets married? Who gets engaged on a wrestling show? We all know engagements don't last. I mean, that's a debate for another day, good sir. Mm, but uh, I will yes. say, actually, I've got to give a shout out to uh, to the actual the, the championship. I say the championship belts, the tournament winner belts that they each got mm. presented with. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the, the designs were based off of the original Stampede Wrestling of Calgary Championship styles. Oh, nice! So it's literally a homage to like the early promotion, the, the family promotion that Owen Hart would have like wrestled in and stuff. So really cool. Also, those belts just look really cool. They do. They just look really cool. Also, got to say, if you haven't heard as well, they announced over the FanFest weekend they're actually doing two Owen Hart figures as part of the AEW line. So mm. that's going to be really cool. I am I might have to get the Owen Hart figures because they look pretty cool. Yeah. They look cool. They do, they do some very good figurines, um, AEW. So. Yes, that they do. Next up, we had arguably one of the matches of the night. Before we carry on, We'll just yes. mention this now. Um, we've we've done a slight error. 
House of Black actually happened before the Owen Hart finals. I did my wonder bad. when I was looking at our notes, actually. But you know what? Doesn't my, matter. My bad. I mean, this is the... See? 13 matches, and I lose track of what <laughs> happens when. So I apologise. I was writing the script notes on that, but yes. No, that's fine. This, but- happened, this happened before the Owen Hart matches. But uh, yes, let's continue on this absolutely effing corker of a match. <laughs> this match was awesome. If you like athletic stuff, like kind of lucha-style stuff, stuff which just seems unfathomable at the best of times, which is usually what happens involving any of these six men anyway. Pretty much. It was such good fun. Ultimately, it came down to the fact that Pac was going to hit the Black Arrow on, I think it was Malachi Black in the end, if memory serves. Then the lights go out. And at that moment, you know what that normally means. It's, oh, someone's going to either debut or be there in a second. Who's it going to be? And we finally got the payoff that I was hoping for because Julia Hart finally went to her emo phase in life, <laughs> appeared, spewed black mist in Pac's face. She's got half of her face painted finally, and her eye can now be visible. And then mm. House of Black got the win. This was so good. And I wasn't annoyed at the ending because we knew it was going to happen at some point, if ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was. Pro- I bet this was. Pro- I think this was probably supposed to happen a lot earlier, to be honest. But if they, because I mean, they were what, due to have this like, match at Revolution. Yeah, and then Phoenix uh, had his gruesome arm injury. Yeah, that one. Yeah, this is a perfect example, by the way. Here's a weird analogy for you. Okay, if you play my GM mode in WWE 2K22, there is a moment when you don't do um feud for a little bit, or you finished a feud, and it's called rivalry cooldown. You could very much argue that this entire feud has been on rivalry cooldown for a long bloody time. And in theory, no one should care about it at this point. Mm. But the great thing is, when you've got six people the caliber of the Death Triangle and House of Black, to put it bluntly, you can't freaking fail. So this match was awesome. And even if you didn't know going in what the feud was, you understood exactly what occurred in this match, and it was a it was just a sight to behold. It was great. I think even from like the entrances, the entrances brought the viewers in because you had these two very contrasting sort of gothic horror sort of horror focused sort of entrances. Obviously, you had like the I think it's the Finnish or Norwegian rock styles of like House of Black's entrance, and then you have like. Uh, what's the word? I think the vibrant sort of rock entrance of like Death Triangle f- yeah. from their little from their little gravestone where they're all just popping out. Pentagon's just going, "Ooh, hello, <laughs> zero fear." I'm all a ghost. Sort of stuff. <laughs> even even one of the kids came out. Even one of the kids came out. I saying think that gonna... was either Phoenix or Penta's son. It, it was it was one of their yeah. kids, but it was just kind of like they just they were just going, "Yeah." My, and do you know my... what my first thought was? <laughs> I had two thoughts. One. That's the future right there of this family. Mm. Second of all, <laughs> who's he going to hurricane Rana in this match? Was literally what I thought. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've also got to give a shout out to House of Black and the fact that they're all at their really cool like face paint and stuff. Oh, Freaking God, glowed so in cool. the dark as well. It looks yeah. so good. Yeah, now that, that's, now that's a... F- I, think, I think one of the things that came out of this, I think this is what a lot of, a lot of folks have been saying, is like, can we please have a trios title now? Because you clearly yeah. have the teams for it. You've apparently, there has been scuttlebutt recently that apparently belts are already either in the works or have been created. But mm. seemingly, they're holding off on doing anything until Omega is back. Which we don't know when. 
So he might not be bad for the rest of the year. He might not be bad until next mm. year, to be honest. And but, I, I, the thing is, though, I've said this for years, even in WWE terms, six-man tags normally in WWE are pretty good. In AEW, they are more often than not really flipping good. No pun intended if there are flips in the match. Or better. <laughs> They're just I mean, really good. I mean, last episode, people heard me just literally gush about Randy Orton RKOing people in a six-man main event tag mm-hmm. match of WrestleMania Backlash. Yeah. So it's like, the stuff works. It can work. Just just do it. Just, come on, Tony. Come on. Give us the belt. Please, Tony. Tony. Please, Tony. Tony, give us the belt. Tony. Tony, give us the belt. Please. Please. The thing is, please. as well, like, when it comes to... So... Uh, I appreciate we're sort of trying to keep this fairly double or nothing focused there, so I won't deviate mm-hmm. too much. But the thing about having the championships that people can really get behind, I'm going to use a quick Japanese wrestling analogy here. Okay. In Dragon Gate, they have a six-man championship. It's called the mm-hmm. Triangle Gate because a lot of theirs are kind of like based on like gates and whatnot. It's a long, long explanation, but just go with it. But okay. the idea is the Triangle Gate is the hardest title to remain champions of because you can get so many different combinations. Oh, hit the microphone again. I'm going to stop doing that. You get so many different combinations of people being a three-man team. It's impossible to be the champions for more than, say, maybe five or six defenses at absolute best. Mm -hmm. So the titles are regularly changing hands, not to their detriment, but to the strength of the tag team division in the promotion and the combinations of people that there are. Mm -hmm. AEW have easily got that. Like, their tag team division is so flipping deep. It is unreal. And the six-man tag team championships, the trio's titles, could main event any show every week, and you know it would be a great match. Mm. Absolutely. Tony, give us the belts, please. Please, Tony. Tony, Tony. give us the belts. Tony, 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 give us the belts. Tony, Tony, give us the belts. Tony, Tony! Tony, give us the belts. Come on. So, this next oh. match, Men of the Year, Scorpio Sky, and his cool Los Angeles Lakers colored TNT title, it's got to be said. It is a nice belt. I will say yeah. this now. It is a very nice belt. Ethan Page and the debuting MMA fighter Paige Van Zant defeating Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti, and Kazarian. This, this match, was, match was there. If you if you enjoyed seeing Ty get getting kicked by Sammy, of which the the, the sort of the, the, the TV TV storyline is he had to sleep on the couch that night. That said, based on a post match promo that I saw appear online, it sounds like Sammy's going to do something to make up the fact he did that. I don't know what, but what? also online, someone else. But also, seemingly, he tweeted as did other people in the match, going, "Thank God this is over." <laughs> I mean, there was a promo during Double and I think where, where Scorpio's going, this is over, this is done. Then Dante Martin turns up and says, hey, I want a belt. I want a shot. Which I am going to see Scorpio Sky and Dante. It's going to be a good yeah. match. The one wrinkle in this potential match, though, well, okay, the one, the one extra extraneous detail, I don't know what the word is, other detail. Leading into this match, it was said that if Guevara and Kazarian's team lost, those two could never challenge for the TNT title again. That was reined back a little to being yes. you're never getting a to, for Scorpio. If you imagine I'm saying this is Scorpio Sky, you're never getting a shot at my TNT title, implying yes. as long as he is champion. Yes, 
which is a good thing because they probably might want to do more title reigns maybe with Sammy and maybe with Frankie Kazarian. There's plenty of opportunities. I mean, uh, it would be nice if else. Frankie Kazarian could actually win a match, though. Have you this, seen his win loss record? <laughs> He's Call never those. won a singles match in AEW. Oh, there you go. A storyline. Make it work, Tony. There you go. L- losing um, streak. There you go. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, there is enough talent in in AEW to make that belt good, or to really it's been proven. Just, just, re- just repairing the last few months of just bollocks. To be You're being so polite. I'm being so polite. I haven't properly sworn on this show yet, which is good. I mean, I get one, but <laughs> in the words like, of. I'm- in the words of hardcore muscle band Hatebreed, now is the time. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for a different match. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, ne- let's move on then. So next up, Kyle O'Reilly versus Darby Allen. This was a really good match. It kind of suffered for where it was on the show. But yeah. if you'd have had this on like Dynamite, this would be one of the standout matches of the week. It was a mm. really solid match. Darby somehow nearly didn't, but nearly did kill himself doing a tope, which was yeah, it, weird. It was it was a weird spot, and then they did it again on the other side, which I think was supposed to where Kyle was supposed to catch him into like that sleeper hole, yeah. or that sort of guillotine choke hole, or like that. Um, this was a really good fun. This was a really good technical fun match. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, you're right. If this is on Dynamite or Rampage, this is one of the matches you're telling people to go out of their way and watch. I mean, you still mm-hmm. go out of your way and watch it here on Double or Nothing. Mm. But again, it's like, and this again, it's like trying not. It's like I don't want to be negative, but negative sake. But this, if you were trying to trim the card to to not be long, I would say you would get better reactions for this match if you were on Dynamite or Rampage. I think yeah. the audience would be a lot more uh, prepared for it as well. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't take away from that. This was a very good match. I was generally surprised that Kyle won. It was like I of, think Kyle- they're building up Kyle for something. Mm. I don't know what. But this feels significant. I know there was the angle involving Sting, which kind yeah. of would make sense if we eventually get a Red Dragon v Sting and Darby feud for a bit, which sounds yeah. like it'd be great fun, quite frankly. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it feel this feels significant, and I can't put my finger on why. I mean, I think they will. There will be a moment where they we, they they might pull the trigger on giving undisputed elite gold. To be honest, so mm. I can I can see. I can see them going on a gold rampage at some point in the future. You've just thought of the name of an episode of Rampage, by the way, Gold Rampage. It's just going to only be title matches. That's literally what it would be no, called that no. week. Just go to the BBC archives and do Going for Gold. And, and, oh, mate, that's a, that's a going cool Going for Going for Gold. <laughs> Beautiful gold. If you're, if you're watching and or listening from this and are not from the UK... That, that's a reference you're never going to know about, but do not worry. And if you And if you were slightly aware of TV in the 80s as well. <laughs> <laughs> Only slightly. And early 90s as well. Uh. The next match, <laughs> AEW Women's World Championship, Thunder Rosa mm. defeating Serena Deeb. The start of this match, it felt like the crowd were not into this, but this match was really freaking good and there was just a moment when suddenly, the it's almost like the light switch got flicked on and everyone was super into this. This match yeah. was so good from a technical perspective. It was really, really strong. And you know how we've been saying like the women's world title just needs to be better presented in general? 
This is the way to kickstart it. This match was it great. Is. Thunder Rosa, after the match, I think, did a promo backstage saying something to the effect of, I want to be a fighting champion. I don't want to wait for someone to just come up and challenge me. Effectively saying, who's next? So if this mm. is the way to kickstart Thunder Rosa from being a more fighting champion, because I think she's also been injured, which is why she's not wrestled that much. Yeah. This was an excellent match to start that that hype train with. Yeah, I think it, this was a very good technical match. I think out of the women's championship matches, this has been one of the better ones in quite some time. My my general mindset is I think it's been hampered by the kind of the build. The build the build's been kind. It's of, not been ideal. No, it's not been ideal. But if this is how we jumpstart something really meaningful with this belt and with the stories that come of it I will take that I will be happy with that mm -hmm. um, because this match was really good it really it, it started out as a sort of a technical sort of kind of show it's like showmanship or show, or just kind of or feel out in almost, terms of it's like a test of ability in a way yeah it's kind of like who can who can sort of switch into different positions quickly and do the, and, and so forth. It was, and then when you get to like the big moves and, and the flips and all that sort of stuff, yes, gets really good. But no, uh, Rose, Rosa winning was never in doubt. Um, but yes, let's see what happens. So far, so good. I like this. Then, then we, we cut, to, I've already alluded to this, but I'm going to do it again because I think it needs to be said. Justin Roberts basically just gets in the ring and he effectively does something to the effect of, lady. Oh, go on, go on, him. I, I just think for the benefit of, of our video viewers, I think just reenacting the sort of, the the sort of well, because it, it's like Justin Roberts is about to start calling the match. So he's he's about to start calling the match, and he's he's just because partly the way he just kind of stops a bit, it just kind of goes. He doesn't know what the rules of an Anarchy in the Arena match is, does he? <laughs> he's just he's just going. It's like he's he's trying to he's trying to ponder what to say and what's about to happen, and then he just goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, shit's about to hit the fan." <laughs> the only way to win is by pinfall or submission, submission. in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is oh. I'm just gonna, so I need I haven't actually talked about this yet. I feel the need to highlight this. I watched this show live because it just worked out. But I was going to be, I wasn't doing much on Monday. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to stay up. I've not done this in a long time for any wrestling yeah. show. I'm going to stay up. At this point, I want to say it was roughly maybe about four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so oh no, delirium is setting in, Jeremy. Literally. So I watched this match. The crowd got insanely hyped. I got insanely hyped. I had to stand up at this point to try and stay awake because that's how much my body was crashing. <laughs> and I remember loving this match. Could I remember anything that happened when I thought about <laughs> it earlier today? No, not whatsoever. So I ended up earlier today before we started recording, watching it again. And I'm just like, that was really freaking good. I wasn't, I'm not space crazy. This was such a good Fight. This think, is what this was. It was so much fun. I think Robert's doing the this the things hit the fan is kind of like you just think, oh, that's that's a that's a strange thing. And then you've got you've got you've got Jericho Appreciation Society turning up like the Backstreet Boys or like so a boy good. band, and and they're all they're all dressed in white. And you just go, okay, that's a odd color choice. This definitely is probably not going to be good. And then Wild Thing kicks up, and Blackpool Combat Club 
LAX and Eddie Kingston turn up and majority of them are wearing white. You just go, oh, fuck, a lot of blood's going to get spilled, isn't it? <laughs> and they start brawling and Wolfing just keeps playing. It was hearkening back to New Jack in ECW. It was so good. But I think the moment when this got turned up even further on like the crowd anticipation scale was the song is just playing. And you're just thinking, oh, the song's coming to an end. That's a shame. And then there's a moment when there's just a lull in sound. And you could see, mm. a, I think it might have been Moxie, someone just beating up someone, as he wanted to do. Yeah. And suddenly you just hear the opening guitar riff of the song go again. And you just hear the crowd go, oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> and everyone is into it. And at that point, if you wanted to use the phrase that the amp got turned up to 11, that is what happened because holy crap, there was blood and so much in this. This was so good. It's hard to describe because it was that good. Jericho does the ultimate heel move and turn the music off as well. (laughs) The rock star, Chris Jericho, objects to a rock song being played. So pulls (laughs) pulls out the freaking... That like pulls out part of the soundboard and it's a heel move. The crowd start booing. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, is it, oh, I forget his name. Uh, is it Matt Mun- Monroe? Is it Matt Monroe? Uh, uh, Daddy right. Magic Matt Menard or Cool Hand Ange. Yeah. Oh, he bled a lot. <laughs> that's an understatement, isn't it? No, that's a, that's a complete understatement. I mean, you go up into the, like the the walkway and all the all the alleyway where the stands are, and it's like hot dog sauces get involved. I think Kingston gets doused in mustard before being flung onto the shirt. In which Tony Schiavone just goes, "I think you'll find the price of the shirts have just gone up because of <laughs> being coated in their blood." <laughs> <laughs> this is the oh. thing, though. This was just a wild brawl and the beauty mm. of this was when this was set up on tv they were jericho was about to say a stadium stampede match and then mm. moxley effectively goes no, no no we're not doing that bullshit that was a different time mm. call it anarchy in the arena call it whatever the hell you want we're just gonna fight you and he wasn't <laughs> freaking joking this this was utterly insane and we got to see a side of brian danielson that has been teased so much and the, the, there were oh. kind of a few key moments of this. Well, one was he just started going toe-to-toe with Jake Hager, just like kicking him, and then ultimately just freaking pummeled him in the face to knock him down. And then oh. he was fighting in the crowd, I think it was with Cool Han Ange, and he just mm. starts throwing him into the camera, literally into the camera lens. Yeah. But <laughs> the best part of it of all, and I'm going to swear now, was when people are just... <laughs> I think he, he knocked down Jericho, and he yeah. just shouts to the crowd, now I'm going to kick his fucking head in. <laughs> and then it's just like, yes! <laughs> so good. Ah, uh, and then after that, after going up, getting doused in hot dog sauce and flung into his shirt and, and lost in a service elevator, Eddie Kingston turns up. Eddie Kingston comes out looking like he's dressed in a loading screen from GTA 5. It's like he's come out, he's battered, he's bloody, he's bruised, he's got a can of petrol and it's he tries literally, to kill people. It's literally a game <laughs> still from GTA 5. That's what it is. And then, but this is what leads to the end of the match. That's a good segue there. Mm. He's Jericho, I think, is like in the label lock at this point from being applied by Danielson. Kingston comes in his like zombie GTA phase Mm. and he's just starting to 
pour this this petrol, this gasoline on Jericho, but it's getting Danielson as well. Yeah. So Danielson takes exception, effectively goes, the hell are you doing? And those two just start fighting. Moxley tries to break it up, but this is the opportunity to let the JAS get back into the match. Ultimately culminating with, I want to say it was Danielson and Jericho having a bit of a scuffle, and then Jake yep. Hagar coming in, hitting hitting Danielson in the knee with Floyd, the baseball bat. Yeah. And then this leading to Jericho applying the walls of Jericho and Jake Hagar effectively reenacting in arguably a bit more of a brutal way how Danielson debuted as part of the Nexus before being rapidly fired when he choked Justin Roberts with a tie. He did it with a ring rope. <laughs> I think also just before that, uh, Moxie went flying off the ring apron into a table, which also had a table of barbed wire. And he, just, he, and he was just lying there like, I think my back's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be the barbed wire that's pretty much wedged in my back, but I think it's gone. <laughs> And then ultimately Danielson just passes out. And mm. that is how this in just insane brawl ends. And <laughs> this, this is probably one of the best brawls in wrestling history. It's one of those things where if you've not seen it, not even necessarily from a brutality level, you just need to see it from an experiential point of view. Mm. By all accounts, like from looking around and like what people it was like for people in the arena. If you were at ringside, you basically saw what happened at ringside and whatever you could vaguely see on the big screens. If you mm. were higher up, you could see more. And obviously people were never going into the, onto the concourse to try and follow Eddie Kingston being pummeled by various people and whatnot. Yeah. This was an experience overall. And this was just so damn good. It has to be seen to be fully appreciated. Yeah, I think, I think out of all the matches... I think this was match of the night, to be honest. It's a big contender for it, isn't it? Yeah. I think it is. But you know what? You would think after a match like that, you would go, well, if this was a WWE show, the next match, quote unquote, in the nicest possible way to put this, could be considered a piss break. Or like the come down match, like the, the reset match, if you will. I think you'll find, using your WWE 2K22 GM mode knowledge, I think you'll find that after you have a banger of a match, you need to have a little lip. You need to do, you need to calm people down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we got because we got no. a three-way match for the tag team titles, which was so damn good. Jurassic Express ultimately yep. retaining against the Team Taz duo of Will Hobbs and Ricky Starks and Keith Lee and Swerve, Swerve Strickland, who are such a good tag team. Keith mm. Lee was having the time of his life out there. He couldn't yeah, stop it, smiling. Yeah, Jurassic Express escaped with the, the belt just by the skin of their teeth. It's like, I'm, I was surprised that they won, to be honest. I thought this was where they lose them. And mm. either ta Team Taz or Swerve, I think it's, it's Swerve in their glory or Swerve in his glory. I don't Something know like that, yeah. Yeah, would, would probably like me take, one of them would take buffs. I mean, Ricky Starks almost did it halfway through the match on Jungle Boy. This is the thing, like, Team Taz was equally great. Mm. This is why I was saying earlier, the tag team division in AEW, the roster is so deep in a good way. It's ridiculous. This match was really, really good fun. It, again, it's difficult to sum up. There was a bit of a lull for the first few minutes while people kind of got into it. Yeah. But again, there was a moment when this just, the, the amp just got turned up to 11 
and it was mm. so damn good. A wonderful moment. I don't know if you caught this, but I think it was Jungle Boy's mum and sister were in the front row. And there was a moment uh, oh. when I think it was uh, Ricky Starks was starting to walk across the top rope like Jungle Boy may do or like Undertaker would do, for example. Yeah. And he's holding onto Jungle Boy's hand, but he's, uh, let's say, making some gestures towards Jungle Boy's family. And ultimately, when he gets crotched, the face that he is doing is just like, oh, it was so good. But it was just, it's like a little Easter egg if you course it. It was so good. I like Ricky Starks. I really do. I it's think he's so good. But, uh, but ultimately, Jurassic Express retained. You were wondering, is this the moment that we might finally get a little bit of shenanigans with Christian? Because he got him up, he got Jungle Boy up on his shoulders and nothing happened. Which probably leads you to think, whenever Jurassic Express lose the belts, that's when this is going to happen now. That's kind yeah. of what they've set now as the stage for this. Yeah, this is like... I can imagine. Ooh, oh, who would they lose the belts to ultimately? I mean, you could. I think it would be a bit of a bit of a waste to give them straight to FTR. I think FTR will have those belts again. Yeah, hundred percent soon. But I think they need a good heel team to take them off. So honestly, Team Taz, like I'd be Taz, fine with team that. Taz, or even even House of Black. Yeah, I mean, but then again, though, if they have a six man belt, true. Yeah, this is the thing. It it's so this is this is this is the wonderful problem we have now. Mm. It's like we have so many possibilities. It's actually exciting. Mm. You know what else was exciting? The main event, because oh, yes. all of this had built up to the main event. Mm -hmm. At this, well, no, I, but I'll say what I'm going to. I'll, I'll keep that thought for after the match. But okay. it, it's deep into the show at this point. Mm. It's very deep, and you're wondering. How the hell are they going to follow the match that just followed the match before it? Mm. And they did. But there was a wonderful thing about this, and I'm going to make a bit of a weird comparison here, but I hope you'll agree with me on it. This in some ways felt a little bit like the Rock and Hulk Hogan from the perspective at WrestleMania 18 of how the crowd reacted. Because the crowd in that instance yeah. were very firmly going in. You thought it may have been leaned towards The Rock, but that night they went all Hogan. Mm. Whereas in this instance, the crowd, it was kind of a 50-50 split, yeah. give or take to like 70-30, 60-40. But the crowd weren't necessarily cheering for their guy each time. They were booing the one they didn't want to win louder. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good dynamic mm. and there was some wonderful moments in this match a couple of moments that you know let, let's call it like it is CM Punk couldn't do the buckshot lariat there was the first time he did it Adam Page immediately got in to then try and hit the GTS which was a nice moment you couldn't hide the fact it went a bit haywire for the second one didn't mm. take away from the match in my opinion though this told a great story which ultimately led to Hangman Page is defending AEW. That's the story mm. that he's been building going into this. It's not that he needs to defeat CM Punk. He needs to effectively save AEW from CM Punk. And so he has a crisis of conscience where he's got the belt and he's thinking, I'm, I'm going to hit him. Do I hit him with it? Do I really want to do this? Because he's been an honorable champion like in a way, like what he's one of the literal, I hate to use the phrase AEW original, but he's been one of the, the first people in there. Giant fly just flew by if you saw that on the video, by the way. Ignore. So he want he's trying to decide, 
is he going to do this? Ultimately, he can't. He throws the belt down. That's what gives Punk the opportunity to hit the GTS after the ref has been knocked down a few moments prior. And then we get the one, the two, three. It was the longest wait for a three count you've had in a while. (laughs) And CM Punk dethrones Hangman Page. And at that moment, it was one of those scenarios for me where I was fine whoever was going to win. But Mm. while I was watching that match live, in my really weird brain fog state, standing up because I'm trying to stay awake at this point, Mm. because when this show went off the air, Ian, it was 5.43 in the morning. Just to put that into perspective. I'd be off to work in 90 minutes, yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So I was just happy with whatever the result was going to be. I was going to be happy with it. But during the match... Every time one or the other nearly won, I was like, go on, win! Oh! <laughs> I want to go to bed! Let me someone win! I it was go to bed. such a fun experience watching this live, like, while it was happening. That There's just mm. that, that feeling when you know you're watching it live, you just have to see it as it happens. I really, really, really enjoyed this match. How those three... Ma- I, I will count Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb in this as well, how those last four matches were equally great in their own right and somehow did not take away from one another is an absolutely great thing. And that is mm. why that is why I think this... I've seen mixed feelings about this show online. Despite the length of the show, which I agree it was way too long, that's why this show gets a big thumbs up from me because the matches we got when you look back on it and what this show meant in general from a wrestling perspective top-notch stuff yeah i'd say i'm about to give out uh, a score out of five or something i i'd be leaning towards four high three out of five three high three and a half out of five because mm. there, there are generally some really great matches here it's just if you trim the fat a little bit and you just kind of get the nice prime cuts of matches in there oh this would have been one of the best shows since all out last year easily hands down as well um but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 fine with Punk being champion. It was kind of, I kind of sensed it was on the cards eventually, or when Punk started going, I want a belt and that sort of thing. Um, now, does he turn heel? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? Because mm. the fact of the matter is, you could say it like this: the people got to see Punk win the belt and cheer for him. Pretty much mm. unanimously, when push came to shove, whether you wanted yeah. Hangman to win or not, it was a unanimous, he's champion, oh my God. You know, it was a moment in time. But now what happens? Because you now go into potential fantasy booking territory here. Yes. Because there are a couple of very obvious candidates as to who could be either challengers or possible contenders to dethrone Punk. An mm. obvious one is MJF. But that yeah. arguably now is potentially in a massive weird territory. That 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 is a massive massive maybe or if. Potential like, potential yellow flag on that. Before list. before this weekend, before this weekend, absolutely he's the one he would probably be the one to defraud him. But there are other there are other potential contenders. I mean Wardlow might have a a solid case. I mean he practically nearly beat him if it wasn't for yep. MGF's interference. 
Agreed. So it's like MGF. Uh, so Wardlow has a case of saying, "Hey, I almost beat you if it wasn't for douchebag of a boss." Hmm. Can I make? A, can I? Can I propose an idea? Go on. We had a feud a little while ago, a short-lived feud between CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Mm. During that feud, what did Eddie Kingston keep saying? That you can't trust Punk, he'll do this for his own gain, things to that effect. Ultimately, he will betray you. He will prove I am right. Mm. What if Punk turns heel, Eddie is proven to be right? Mm. And there is a point in time when maybe he doesn't get involved for now. There's kind of that element of, look, no disrespect to you people, but I told you this. And assuming AEW wants to return to Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, Eddie Kingston's hometown, and they do another big stadium show in there, what if Eddie Kingston dethrones CM Punk in New York in a freaking stadium show? I think that would be really, really good. I'm, I'm. It's like I'd love to see it happen, but it's just like, would they? I mean, the the story the story is there. There's definitely a there's definitely a reasoning for him to be a challenger at least for Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, I think it's how the Blackpool Combat Club stuff sorts out because I think we're probably gonna we're gonna probably segue off into maybe a, a, like. Two feuds going on at the same time for Eddie. Eddie still wants to kind of murder Chris Jericho, but mm-hmm. now he may have pissed off Blackpool Combat Club after trying to set Dan- uh, Brian Danielson on fire. Yeah, one would assume this is probably ultimately going to build to a blood and guts cage match, with it Pretty being much. the with it being the JAS and the reunited Combat Club and Eddie Santana Ortiz in some way, shape, or form. Heck, yeah. maybe Regal will be involved in some way. <laughs> It'll just be going, blood and guts. And that'll be it. Blood and guts! It doesn't sound like war games. It feels weird. Blood and guts. Blood and... <laughs> blood, I, don't, I don't know if it sounds like chaps. I really don't. <laughs> side note, side note. I think the most recent uh, Botchermania, and they have a... I think they're reading a page out of Regal's uh, biography about the video game awards. And now him and Brian, Brian Pillman are supposed to be fighting on a stage and it all goes horribly wrong. It's wonderful. Go out your way to watch the latest Botchamania. It's fun. <laughs> it's just, this is hearing the story as it's being told with the back, with like the footage of the actual event. You're just going, oh, fuck, this is weird. <laughs> and silly, but fun. And I just, I, oh, you know, it's like, it just sounds like, Regal, it's like the life of Regal would make a fascinating TV story, a TV or TV series or film, Mm. just to kind of, just for the darkness of it all. So when it comes to AEW Dynamite happening tonight, as we're recording this for those watching and or listening after the fact, what Mm. do we have lined up for the show? As mentioned earlier, we have basically got MJF is going to be saying something on Dynamite. We've also got it confirmed that Daniel Garcia and John Moxley will be in a match, one-on-one. There is going to be what was originally announced as a 10-man tag, but is now going to be an eight-man tag by the sound of it. In fact, no, change that. 10-man tag once again, having just reloaded Tony Khan's Twitter. It (laughs) It is going to be Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Christian Cage, Darby Allin, and Matt Hardy. Did you get all that, everybody? Yep. Versus the Young Bucks, Red Dragon, 
and Hikuleo from New Japan Pro Wrestling, the American brand, New Japan Strong, who we have seen before because he had ooh, an IWGP US title match against someone, if memory serves, on a Dynamite or a Rampage. Just going to put it out there, I've just seen the power rankings. And uh, Wardlow's number one. Oh, is he now? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Wardlow's number one. Wardlow's number one in contenders. Adam Cole is number two. Uh, Hammond Page is three. Moxie's four. Jay Lethal is five. Oh, I guess Jay Lethal and Samoa Joe will probably carry on at some point as a feud because that's kind of just been oh, yeah. paused mm. for a little bit. Have they done any, just side note, have they actually made any plans of what they're doing with RH as a TV show or anything like that? Because it's just... The word going around, from what I heard on, I can't remember where I heard or read it, but it seems like Tony Khan is currently trying to negotiate a one-hour television deal for an ROH-specific show. Hmm. And apparently Colt Cabana has re-signed with AEW, but with it being earmarked that he will be more specifically part of the ROH side of things. Right, okay. So they are going to try and make ROH its own brand, but I guess it's kind of at the moment just still an extension of AEW because I think the women's title has been defended on a few dark episodes, as is the Pure Championship before uh, Wheeler Yuta was at, in New Japan doing the best of the Super, Super Juniors tournament. And one would assume that Joe will be defending the championship. And I assume Jonathan Gresham will defend the world title again when he is able to, because he's also been very absent in recent times. Since when the... He was lost on Battle of the Belt 2, I want to say. I didn't watch the show, Missy. I just vaguely remember the title match being on there. Also on the cards for Dynamite tonight, following the Owen Hart Foundation Women's Finals, four of the, the tournament's top wrestlers will go, quote-unquote, to war in a huge tag team match because they're debuting in LA tonight, for those of you who don't know. So it's going to be Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. That should be good fun. <laughs> I hadn't seen this has been announced. Also happening tonight, six-man tag match, mm. Max, Max Caster of the Acclaimed and the Gun Club versus... They were living F it up in Las Vegas, by the way. They were living yeah. up in Las Vegas. <laughs> so good. Versus FTR and CM Punk. <laughs> That's, well, this, that this trio... Well. That trio... Behave. Also announced which uh, this is literally in the past half an hour or so. Wardlow versus JD Drake in his first official match as a member of the AEW roster. And after earning his first AEW win last weekend, I don't know where, I'm assuming on Dark, Johnny Elite returns to Dynamite tonight, aiming to work his way to the top. For AEW's LA debut, hometown hero Johnny has signed an open contract to fight anyone in AEW. Who could he fight? I mean, Miro could probably come back for a fun. Oh, I miss Miro. <laughs> He's in, it was like, people were going, where's Miro? And he turns up in like a trailer for like a, a new, like a TNT cop drama. It's like, oh, <laughs> There he is. As you do. He's busy acting. <laughs> Probably a step up from Showdown with Dolph Ziggler, where he played himself and held a gun. I think Gosh. that's... A, I've not seen the film, but it's like... It's a WWE film that just screams out fascination watch out of morbid curiosity. 
So a quick other note as well, because I appreciate we're going to be starting to wrap up shortly. You mentioned the power rankings there. Just to touch on the women's contenders now, the top five contenders in in from one to five: Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, Serena Deeb, Tony Storm, Chris Statlander. I mean, we've already had Thunder versus uh, we've had Rosa versus Nyla. Mm. We've had. I mean, I wouldn't particularly want Thunder versus uh, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker again. One assumes we'll be getting Statlander and Jade, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Possibly, it could be a bit interesting to see Tony Storm have a shot. I agree completely. Be fine. Or, or Deeb carries on. Or we have another bat- match with Deeb. I wouldn't yep, be a Which I ain't either. got any issue with whatsoever. Uh, in terms of uh, tag team champions, FTR's number one, mm-hmm. which is kind of, they are definitely taking the belts at some point this year, but I yep. do not think it's going to be from uh, Jungle Express. I think it will be from, uh, it, it has to be from the Hill team considering how, how the crowd are reacting to them right now. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Starks at four, and Keith Lee and Swerve at five. Hardy's at three, though you may need to rest Jeff for a little bit. <laughs> Jeffrey, please. Jeff, do you want a match? <laughs> no. No, I've done too much bopping. But you know too who's much at, bopping. But you know who's at number two, though? Brian Danielson and John Moxley. I mean... They, I mean, they could feasibly take the belts as well. I mean, it's just, I, I, yeah, I, I just think, I, I think it will be a heel team that takes it from, from, from the, from Jurassic Express. I think just, just for, just for how you could book FDR to win those belts and be like the RRH and AEW champions, because you could do a storyline there. They're mm. the, the first tag team to win both the belts. I mean, they have a lot of belts already, but. Uh, so it's interesting when it comes to the MJF segment because it specifically says we hear from MJF. It might just be a backstage interview or something. That's what I, I think it's going to be. I don't. I don't think it's going. to... I will be amazed if it's an in. If it's an in ring, then hopefully they've sorted something has been sorted. Mm. That's. It's. I can't. I can't imagine MJF's going to go out to stage and. I mean. I could imagine an angry MJF going out and really. Opening dirty laundry on on a on a on in a mm. ring, I can like I say I don't, it's like that wouldn't happen. It's like no no, MGF would do that. But, but <laughs> there's also the, the element of he did get stretched out, and so one maybe, would think if I'm thinking this from an ABW perspective, if someone's been stretched out, one would think they would at least not be on the show there and then, as it were for at least a week. So I imagine this is going to be either taped probably in the hours after the match, or he's going to be in a hospital bed with so many plaster casts and neck braces on him. It's going to look insane. Mm. Proper selling yeah. the fact he took 10 power bombs. It would be, be like a Batista after he lost the match and he just, just sat in the, in the ring in a wheelchair and just went, I quit. So good. <laughs> Still one of the greatest that- promos ever. Ah. Uh. Actor Dave Batista. <laughs> so before we begin to wrap up, good. So any additional sort of AEW related notes or anything in general that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I think we've done a lot on AEW today. I think it's really good. We've had a really good show, a really nice long meaty show talking about AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, we can quickly touch on on WWE because this weekend we have both NXT in your house and we also have Hell in a Cell on Sunday and we're going to be covering that in about two weeks in, in our next episode which will be in two weeks genuinely um, forgot Hell in the Cell was a thing this weekend 
I mean, to be honest, it it seems to be more invest. It seems to be worth investing a little bit more in this than, say, WrestleMania Backlash, for example. Okay, so um, how, how's it shaping up then? So we have United States Championship match between Theory and Mustafa Ali. I forgot uh, he's not Austin anymore, is he? I keep forgetting that. No, it's just Theory. Can't have people called Austin. It confuses see, Vince. Why don't you call him a Theory? You can have so much good wordplay on that. You could just call him all day theory because then he was always, he was always doing the all day sort of stick. That can work. That can work. Uh, we have uh, intergender trios match. Uh, we have Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan versus the Judgment Day. This should be good fun. That'll be fun. Um, arguably one of the, the the funnest things to watch at the moment. Kevin Owens will go one on one with Ezekiel. There Great. is a one. There is a wonderful Raw Talk video on YouTube. From this, from this week's Raw, of Kevin Owens trying to explain to Kevin Patrick why how Ezekiel could be Ezekiel but also Elias, and he gets <laughs> cut off by Kevin Patrick saying, "Kevin, Kevin, I have to go back to the studio. I'm sorry." And Kevin is a irate. We then cut a bit later on in the show to Becky Lynch having an interview with someone else, and Kevin Owens is just sulking in the background. He's going, "Why, why are you there, Kevin?" Oh, it's like I was trying to explain my thing about Ezekiel to Kevin and to, 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 to Fitzpatrick, and he just wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> and then he tries to explain it again, and, and the interview goes, I don't understand you. And Becky goes, no, no, it's perfectly understandable. Ezekiel was probably born Ezekiel, but he must have had an older brother called Elias, and something must have happened to Elias when he was a child because he because then he would change his name to be Elias and then reenact his view of Elias, <laughs> and then he would become Ezekiel at some point. It's perfectly simple. So Becky <laughs> Lynch is leaning into this. Great. Yeah, and it's just you just what just watch the interview as I just kind of go, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's like arguably it's like this is it's like this has no right to be as interesting as it is. And it's mostly because of Owens and Ezekiel slash Elias having really good character chemistry. That's that's oh, the sort amazing. of thing. We have a. We also have a handicap match. Bobby Lashley will take on Omos and MVP. Oh, so <laughs> that'll be fun. Um, probably one of probably one of the the big matches. Look out for on the card. It's a triple threat for the World Women's Championship. It's uh, Bianca Belair versus Oscar versus Becky Lynch. That should be a banger of a that match. That should be a good one. And the main event locked inside Hell in a Cell is Cody Rhodes versus Seth Freakin Rollins for the third time. I see Cody Rhodes beating Seth again to keep the Cody train going full a, speed a, a ahead. Clean sweep. <laughs> money again, get him on the on the money in the bank train, all that sort of stuff. I mean, to, to be perfectly honest, like he's been really I mean, there's there's the post of Hell in Cell where it just looks like hell is just wafted from his backside when he's he's like he's walking towards the camera, he's holding his coat out. And it's just kind of like he's given a camera stare of just like, it's like, yeah, I just farted. What about it? <laughs> sort of, well, what you know. gonna do? <laughs> but no, there was a there was a really good segment on Raw on Monday where Rollins actually kind of not by name, but obviously referenced AEW saying, Oh, you you went away, you and your little friends tried to destroy the house that I built. While you while you were away, and now you're coming back with your sledgehammers, and you're going to try and bash on my throne, are you? All that sort of stuff. And there's a, a couple of, big, of AEW references in there. <laughs> yeah, a big a big pull apart brawl. Um, I'm surprised there's not more matches in Hell in a Cell. There's usually at least two. I don't know if anything's going to escalate on Friday to to activate another Hell in a Cell match. I mean, out of it's any a great of them, phrase to activate another Hell in a Cell. Match. It's I like, like that. this this match needs to be in Hell in a Cell. <laughs> 
push the button. <laughs> push the button. Put the, put the cell down. Oh, probably what will happen is we'll probably get, you know, last year where we had we had Drew and Bobby in Helen's cell, and then because because they had Helen's cell with Drew and Bobby on on the pay per view or something like that, Fox went, we want a Helen the cell match. Give us Helen the oh, cell match. Oh, and they moved the, the the Mysterio one to SmackDown, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they moved they moved Ray and Roman to to SmackDown. I can imagine that happening. <laughs> so, question because obviously you're far more up to date than I am. What's mm. the tag team title situation now? Because the belts have been unified. So yes. what's going on with that? So uh, Usos are champs. They have both belts. Um, it seems like RK Bros having a bit of a break because not on this part, not on this week's Raw, but the Raw before that, uh, Riddle kind of did like a, a, a promo, which was kind of indicating that. Randy Randy needs a lot of rest at the moment. He really has been injured and that sort of thing. So he's gonna he's gonna get payback on the bud line and that his way and all that sort of stuff. So in terms of, I mean, the way a lot of the news sites are kind of predicting, I think over the summer we're gonna probably see Riddle and possibly Orton challenge Reigns for the belts. And there is a strong possibility Drew is going to the throne Roman in Wales. Mm. Maybe for one of his belts. I mean, to be perfectly honest. That makes really good sense. I think that really sort of, mm. I think that really encapsulates the clash at the castle, despite the fact the ticket prices are fucking insane. Um, the most yeah. expensively stupendous show it's, in Welsh history. It's like I, I looked at Ticketmaster and those prices were just silly. And I, and yeah. I, and I, get, I get it's a big, big event. I get it. But it's kind of like when I explain, it's like I shared my experiences and people going, oh, but it's just tickets start from 35. It's like, you show me on the Ticketmaster site where there's a 35 pound seat and I'll go, okay, I was wrong. No, you want to sit in the nosebleeds, it's a hundred plus quid at the moment. The thing is though, the other thing to emphasize, particularly for anyone listening from outside the UK, and Mm. forgive me if if I've touched this before, Ian, feel free to cut me off. But Uh, it's the fact that there is a cost of living crisis in the UK. And it really mm. seems that whoever was like the booking agent that was working with WWE to make this show possible clearly mm. didn't give them the memo that you might want to lower the ticket prices by say like 50% <laughs> so people could actually probably go to Cardiff I'm, and I get mean, a ticket. I mean, I would say if 50 was like the lowest, I'd say that's far. It's like, it's annoying. But you know what? This is a big. They are. They are clearly treating this as a big peer, uh, premium live event thing. So I, I kind of get it. I kind. I think do, Meltzer said they want this to be the biggest WWE gate in UK history. It's, it's currently on site. It's currently on track to be the biggest gate for any WWE event outside of WrestleMania, which is great on one side, but also it's mm. like. Yeah, the reason it's going to be the biggest gate is because the tickets are so bloody expensive. But but so the other counterpoint to this, and I won't delay this much longer because I appreciate no, what the call soon, but it's the fact, and I'm going to use this as against WWE now, the fact of the matter is I can watch this show for a tenner. Yep. Literally. And I hate to put it this way, I could probably have a far better viewing experience watching it for a tenner. Having been party. to... Yeah, having been to a number of wrestling shows in my life, we've been to some as well where we've had vastly mm. different experiences watching mm. wrestling, quite frankly. And it doesn't take much for your experience to be hampered because of other people around you. I would probably be quite happy to go to Cardiff, maybe go and do some of the things that may be happening around this event this on the weekend. Mm. 
I'm just watching this in a pub. Have like a yeah. pub lunch, be with a few mates, have a laugh. The, it would probably be far more enjoyable, quite frankly, in some ways, watching it in that way. Uh, I think there was another thing of there being massive traffic jams for Principality trying again to Wales the other day for an Ed Sheeran concert. So there's also that. So, so I'm also yep. thinking, well, don't have to deal with traffic. Don't really. I it's like my my current thing is I will probably watch at home. I might have a few friends around. Yep. And we might just have we might just have a little bit of a laugh, enjoy it. The nice thing is it's going to be like probably afternoon. Late afternoon start, maybe like four or five, which will be good. It won't be finishing at nearly six a.m. If it's a twelve-hour show, Jeremy, something's gone seriously wrong with the with the planning of this event, mate. The WrestleMania that I went to started (laughs) at two in the afternoon for the pre-show. It finished at gone midnight, and I didn't see the main event because I knew the last train back to Central New York was gonna leave. So I missed that. I missed. (laughs) Becky Lynch becoming Becky Two Belts because I didn't want to get stuck in a torrential rainstorm and I mm. got on the last train. I, I, I heard the match end. I heard it. I saw the fireworks display and I heard her music go off and all the ridiculous amount of lights and also saw people rapidly running down the staircases inside the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so quick, run! Literally. I, I, in hindsight, I wish I'd have taken a video of it because it, it's, a, it's a sight to behold. But with that Uh. being said, everybody, I think we are going to bring this show to a close for today. Thank you very much for watching and or listening. Don't forget that if you do want to check out the audio-only version of the podcast, you can find us on the likes of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You think of a podcast provider, we are more than likely there. Simply search for Bunker Mania. Why not tell a friend and or leave a review if you would like to? If you've enjoyed what you have been watching here on YouTube today, you can also subscribe to this channel, that being Bunkerzilla UK. Then you can be notified and kept up to date on future broadcasts we'll be doing, including our next episode of Bunker Mania, which will be on June the 15th. Mm-hmm. When we'll be talking about Hell in a Cell. I think you've told me there's an NXT show going on because that's how out of the loop yeah. I am at the moment. I didn't no realize doubt- there was one as well. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, NXT, fine. But that one's at the Capital Wrestling Center. It's not at the same venue as Hell in a Cell, which is a bit, which is a bit sucky, but. Mm. Oh, well. But there we go. And good, sir, if people want to find us on the social medias, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can follow us by following us with the words Bunkers UK on uh, Facebook or Twitter. That's all good. Um, but if they want to drop us an email about wrestling stuff, you can do. Just fling an email over to bunkermania at bunkerzilla.co.uk. We'd love to read some emails out on the show next time. So please do send us a line. It, it, watch Hell in a Cell. Like it. Hate it. Send over. Even if you want to talk about potential booking ideas or something like that, mm-hmm. do it. We'd like to hear We'd like to hear from you guys. It'll be great. Should Eddie Kingston dethrone CM Punk? I put that to you, you people. <laughs> Enjoying well, the show. No, well, that, well, that's a heel move, Jeremy. I mean, you, I mean, yes, I mean, you people. I mean, I say it in a loving way. That did not sound loving. I'm tired. <laughs> that sound, that sound, that sound. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired. That was, yeah, you're right. I'm tired. It's like, you might be right, Ian. <laughs> How do I acknowledge your statement without acknowledging your statement? <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. But, folks, it has been great fun today. Hope you enjoyed the show. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton, you've been listening to Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK. Until June the 15th, when we'll be back live on YouTube at 8 pm. Take care and speak to you soon.
Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.